I'm excited as hell to be a Dallas Cowboy. Who was the toughest guy to tackle? Ezekiel Elliott. Feed Elliott. What's up, Cowboy Nation? Let's get it! Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Back Row Cowboy Show, a proud part of the Back Row Sports Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Back Row Cowboy Show. I'm your host, Adam, and across from me, as always, my co-host, Seth. Hey, what's going on, guys? And on today's episode, we're going to see how many different ways I can blame Seth for us not winning the last two games. But before we get into that... Seth, there's a lot of bad to cover this week, so uh, this is probably going to be a pretty lengthy news and notes, and then we'll have some discussion on that. Before we preview the last two losses, before we review the last two losses, and uh, preview the Thursday night game against New Orleans Saints. Mm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a whole lot, and you're going to have to back me up on some of this, because uh, to be honest with you, I'm probably going to miss something here and there, but... Uh, I guess we'll go ahead and start off with the biggest news. Uh, it was found out today that uh, Mike McCarthy will not be available for the game Thursday because he tested positive for COVID. Uh, on top of that, um, Philbin, our offensive line coach, Jeff Pelasco, our assistant offensive line coach, um, Scott Tolzien, I think I'm saying that right. Um, offensive assistant as well. They all just went on the COVID list. And, of course, we already had um, Cedric Smith, Kendall Smith, and Harold Nash uh, Jr., all of them are strength and conditioning coaches. They were all on the COVID list as well. So now we're adding McCarthy on top of that. So uh, it's bad enough that uh, you don't have your some of your – key position coaches out there on top of that you got your head coach as well so this is going to be a big test this week for sure uh just to overcome that and you know that's not even going back to any of the player news and players that we might not have or whatever that that in itself is just going to be a task by itself um so far from what i've seen from it um they are Dan Quinn is going to step up, and he's going to be the head coach this week, and he's going to kind of manage both of them. But uh, Joe White, he's going to step uh, – Joe Witt, he's going to step in and uh, <clears throat> help Dan Quinn with the defense because, you know, being the head coach, you got a lot more to deal with. So, uh, Witt's going to step up and help him with the, with the defensive side of the ball. And they've been moving coaches around so far this week trying to test things out. Um, uh, tight end coach – Lunda Wells, he has stepped in to help with the offensive line part of it. And 
Uh, I know Ben McAdoo, he's going to step in as well and uh, uh, help out throughout that process as well. And then uh, the offensive quality control coach, Chase Hazlitt, he's going to pitch in to help the tight end. So everybody's going to be kind of coaching out of place on the offensive side of the ball this week, except for Kellen Moore. So um, uh, that's a lot of the process, Ralph Jump Street. Uh, as far as any player news, uh, Tristan Hill, you know, we just got Tristan Hill back. Uh, you know, we had concerns about Tristan Hill and, uh, even last year, you know, he had a couple dirty plays. Uh, I can't remember who it was. I, I want to say it was Barkley last year that he grabbed an ankle and twisted. Chris Carson. Chris Carson, my bad. Um, I, I, I couldn't remember. I was just trying to guess it right off the top of my head. Um, and it turns out not much has changed. Um, he got suspended for uh, punching at a player this past week against the Raiders. And he's got a two-game suspension now, so we won't see him for two more weeks. Um, uh, Terrence Steele, he was another uh, player that was put on the COVID list. Now, we did get Amari Cooper back, and we're going to end up getting C.D. Lamb back from his concussion. But y'all know uh, Amari Cooper, he just came off the COVID list, and he's missed the last two games. So, uh, we are getting help when it you know, from that aspect, and that's major help having CeeDee Lamb and Cooper back. But uh, Terrence Steele, he done went on the COVID list. So, um, you know, at the beginning of the year, we were kind of like, you know, that's not really that big a deal. And then Collins went out and Steele played great for us. But since uh, Collins has came back from his five-game suspension, uh, we have tried to find ways to utilize both of them. And uh, because Steele was playing so well, but now it looks to be that things are going to go back to the way they were, you know, at the start of the year. And Collins will be playing right tackle. And, of course, Smith will be playing on the left side. So, um, as far as any other player news, uh, you know, there was rumors going on earlier this week that they was going to have Zeke sit. Um, and, of course, you know, Zeke come out today and said that they hadn't said nothing about him, and he was a full participant today in practice as well. So uh, I don't know if that necessarily means that they would be minimizing his role throughout this game or, you know, maybe we'll see more Tony Pollard because we'll get into it, but the Oakland game, we did see a whole lot more Tony Pollard than we normally do. So um, that's up in the air as well. Uh, we don't know for sure. We're just That's one of those game time things that we'll just find out. Uh, but other than that, uh, I think I've gotten the majority of the news. No, you hit all the big ones. You hit everything that's important. Um, one thing I guess I'll say is that's good news. Uh, it looks like some reinforcements are coming back. Back to Marcus Lawrence in the Thursday night game is what they're saying uh, against New Orleans Saints. That'll be big. Obviously, Randy Gregory's been out. He was on the 21. Um, he was on the – it's not three games. The The short-term IR is actually 21 days. So, even though it's been three games, we have to wait one more week to get Randy Gregory back. That's very unfortunate. Seth and I had to actually look it up before we got on the air because we thought we'd be getting back Randy Gregory for this game, which would have been very important. But, unfortunately, we're not. Um 
but he should be back the week after next. They even said that he's healthy and he's good to go. Just due to the 21 days, he's not going to be able to play this week. So if we get back to Marcus Lawrence this week, the Randy Gregory next week, and then also another player we might get back next week, it's a player Seth and I have talked and talked and talked and talked and talked about this year, is Neville Gallimore. And I think <clears throat> I've said all along, when he's finally back on the field with, obviously, Randy Gregory and Demarcus Lawrence and then Oso Digizua, you're really going to see what this defensive line can be. The interior rush has been very inconsistent. We, we've talked about Osa. There have been games he's looked unguardable. There have been series where he looks like he may be the best Cowboys defender, and yes, I meant on the entire team. Because there, there are series where it's just play after play after play. He's in the backfield. But then he'll go stretches where he's extremely cold. There are games in which he'll go where he's yeah, extremely yeah. cold. And part of that, I think, is just being a rookie. I mean, what Mika Parsons has been this year. Whew, he's We're going to have this discussion here. In a few he's minutes, already but. broken the franchise record for a rookie with sacks. I mean, already. And, and we've got games left to play. And this was – DeMarcus Ware's record that was a full-time defensive end. There was no back and forth. Like, that just shows that how productive Parsons has been when he has been rushing the passer, and he has not been a full-time player at doing that. Best pressure rate in the NFL. In fact, I looked it up before just so we could talk about the importance of getting DeMarcus Lawrence back and Randy Gregory and Mika Parsons. Um Mika Parsons is number one in the NFL in pressure rate. Number three in the NFL in pressure rate is Randy Gregory. So it just shows once the reinforcements are back, and hopefully we're fully healthy. I mean, obviously we keep saying we're going to be fully healthy, and every week there seems to be another player going out due to injury, suspension, COVID, whatever it may be. But I hope that we're going to have all the reinforcements back for the playoff run because it's it hasn't looked great. We've had three losses in the last four games. I know there's a lot of skepticism out there. But we've been competitive in all those games, and most of those games we've been shorthanded. To show you what that we can still be very competitive against games, now granted, you're, you're talking about teams of all different calibers. Denver Broncos, fantastic defense. Teddy Bridgewater got hurt last week, and, and they were still able – the defense just carried them to the win, and obviously that defense made our offense look average. Um, but it shows that they're a football team that's out there fighting. They're trying to find a way into the playoffs. Kansas City, they're a team that um, has made the last two Super Bowls, winning one of them. Our first loss of the season was against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the defending Super Bowl champs. Obviously, last week against the Raiders, we're going to talk in that uh, game. Yeah, we're going to talk depth. about that. Um, but still, I still have a lot of optimism because we've been competitive in, in most of these games. There's been no real blowouts in any of these games. Once you get Demarcus Lawrence, Neville Gallimore, Randy Gregory, th this on the defensive side of the ball, this isn't even including all the offensive players we're about to get back with C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper. Granted, we may lose Zeke on Thursday, but the New Orleans Saints are so hard to run the ball against. I think it's a bigger 
factor that we're getting back Cooper and we're getting back C.D. Lamb. And, and the fact that Michael can gallop, can go back to his more natural position of wide receiver three. Well, even if they're planning to sit Zeke, they're not going to say anything leading up to the game. They, they're they going to make them plan for Zeke to play. So, uh, we did see it in the Oakland game, but we'll get into that, you know, where you saw more Pollard than Zeke. but And that might be the case this week, but he I, has looked ginger on that, you know. Well, that, the team has kind of taken the long-season approach with most players. Most guys that have been hurt, if they can give them that extra week to come back and hopefully be healthy the rest of the year, that's the approach taken. The problem is one of the things that Zeke really likes to stress is the fact that he's one of few running backs that's never hurt. He's there every single day. You know he's going to take the rock. You know he's going to do his job. That's a pride thing in him. So I think it's hard – it's going to be hard to talk him out of sitting. It's going to be hard to talk him into sitting out a game. Well, I mean, you look at the – just like you said, if you look at the four or five or whatever running backs that people consider better than him, you know, the Barclays, the CMCs, the Dalvin Cooks, the Chubbs. Kamara's missed a couple games in a row. Yeah, I, they've all been hurt. It's one thing that you've never seen on Zeke. I think he's missed like two games his whole career not involving suspension. You know, he had that six-game suspension. But, like, injury-wise, I think he's missed, like, two or three his whole career. And I think one of those was, like, the end of the season thing where it was, like, we didn't have to have him play. And I want to say that was – uh, I want to say that was, what, three years ago when we got into playoffs? I think. I don't know that for sure, but – He's as durable as can be for somebody that gets 20-plus a game. For a position that's known to have players break down and not be durable, I mean, durability is one thing, one extreme positive that you can give Zeke. But we'll have to see how that goes. I think, like I said, getting back Cooper, getting back Lamb, you know, you can lean a little bit more on the passing game. You can try to get a little more creative – because you may not have a Zeke. And and the one place I'm worried about is goal line, goal to go. Zeke is so good inside the five. He just – he finds a way to get into the end zone no matter what. It, it's so hard for that first guy to tackle him. That's one place I know we're going to miss him. And the second place we're going to miss him is in the passing game, pass blocking um, <laughs> is what I mean. He's such a phenomenal pass blocker. He's so good at identifying the blitz. And and the thing is, playing the New Orleans Saints, you know there's going to be some pressure. You know there's going to be some exotic blitzes. You know you're going to see something different thrown at you. That's one place where Zeke, I I don't – There's there's no argument that Zeke is a better pass blocker. Guys have come out and tried to make arguments for everything else. Zeke versus Pollard, Zeke versus Pollard. It's not even close. Zeke is by far the superior blocker in a passing game and identifying that free blitzer, uh, knowing which linebacker's coming, which one's dropping back. That's one place where I think we'll really miss him. And Dak just has so much faith 
and, and Zeke, and he's done such a good job. But but we are going to have Tyron Smith. Hopefully, Lyle Collins is. We get. 2019, Lyle Collins back at right tackle. We've got Martin at right guard. We've got Biotis at center. I know left guard, there's still some uncertainty with McGovern and Williams. Hopefully Smith back there at left tackle for the second game in a row. It'll shore up things for McGovern, and hopefully we don't have to worry as much about the pass rush because I'm hoping our offensive line is just going to be solidified. Yeah, and to get on to the Zeke and Pollard thing, I'm scared to death when Pollard's back there blocking. Because he just – he doesn't do that great of a job when he's back there blocking. Uh, you know, we've talked about it several games over, you know, the last four or five weeks that we have seen Pollard try to block, and he just um, – and it's not necessarily the blocking part. It's the fact that he missed the assignment. And I feel so much more comfortable when Zeke's back there. So. But the good thing is Cooper's back, Lamb's back, Gallup's back. This will be the first time. You know, hopefully Cooper's had the knee problem and, and he hasn't looked like himself really – since the first couple games of the season. They say he's been dealing with something since the first couple games of the season. I understand he had to miss the last two games because of COVID, but missing those games because of COVID also allowed him to rest the knee up and to rest up the lower extremities. I know he had some hamstring problems as well as evidence in the um, Minnesota game. Those two weeks of rest and and, um, the recovery time from COVID also allowed him to rest those nagging lower body injuries so maybe we're getting back Cooper at 100%. And if you're getting him back in 100%, you're getting Lamb back in 100%, you know your run game may not be 100% of what you want it to be. You can utilize those guys in the short passing game even better. You run a little bit of empty, have Schultz in it tight, and you go four wide. You have Cedric Wilson. Cedric Wilson's a player you can get the ball in his hands short and he can turn something short into something long real quick with his run after the catch ability. This is it's going to be an interesting game for Kellen Moore. With all the adversity we faced, the one consistent that the one constant has been back there has been Zeke. Even with all the uncertainty at the receiving options, if he's not back there, he's probably going to have to get real creative with the passing game to help support the running game. And I just. I think he's smart enough to do it, and I think he's really taking a step forward as a play caller. The weird stuff that we used to do in the red zone, you haven't seen a lot of that recently. We've seen some weird stuff, but smarter weird stuff, I guess you want to call it. They're not – look, when we've been losing 10 yards in the red zone, it's been because of holding penalties and not because of the play calling by Kellen Moore. So that's one positive that we have going for us. Well, you know, you mentioned uh, this being the first time having all – this is the first time having the whole offense together all season. Because you got to remember, week one, we didn't have Zach Martin. Then two through six or whatever it was, we didn't have Collins. And then ever since then, we've had somebody miss for this or that, assuming that Zeke plays Thursday – this will be the first time that all our starters are on the field on offense. Yeah, I, I'll agree with that. And, and I did. I want to touch on the Tristan Hill thing. 
I'll get I'll give my thoughts real quick on McCarthy and the coaching staff, and then we need to go and get into some of these reviews. Um, we missed. Uh, I know we missed two weeks ago. Well, uh, it, that was my fault that we didn't record last week. I had gotten sick, and my family, my whole family, was kind of sick. So, you know, I kind of called Adam and told him, I said, "Hey, man, I just my voice is real messed up and everything, and I just don't think I should, we should record this week." And of course, he was cool with it. So, this is why we're uh, reviewing the last two games. Yeah, so. it's been. I know we've we've missed a couple um, in the last month due to sickness, but, you know, with the way things are in the world right now, you just – you have to make that decision. We both have young children, um, and, and that's the most important thing to us is is keeping them safe and keeping them healthy. Um, I, I, we've just kind of decided uh, better safe than sorry, and we can always catch them on a football game, but, you know, you just – you don't want to bring anything home to your family, um, and you just – you don't want to risk bringing something else to someone else. Um but my thoughts real quick, Tristan Hill, you know, they said he had a lot of first-round traits in the draft. They said that he – the traits were that of a first-round player. But the problem is there were some attitude problems. There was some off-the-field stuff. And the problem is the attitude stuff keeps showing up. Um, with Gallimore out, Hill really had a chance – to show that he deserved a role in this rotation um, on the interior defensive line. I, I mean, obviously, we're fairly young as a team. Hill had the chance to make an argument that the three-headed rotation in the interior defensive line should consist of him, Neville Gallimore, and then Osa. And then you can fill in with, like, the Justin Hamilton and the Watkins. and But then he comes out and does this. And it's just you got to be smarter than that because with everything else that's happened in the past, I think some of the things that have happened in the past is the reason why it got to gain. It was first reported by Ian Rappaport that they were looking at a hefty fine and there was not likely to be a suspension. Something changed because it's now a two-game suspension. So you got to wonder if it's some of the stuff that, that he's done in the past was reviewed and was like, okay, this is some – repetitive behavior by someone that hasn't been on the field very much due to injury. So, you know, you have to wonder that when Gallimore is able to come back and once he's activated, once he's starting, we keep saying it here, is Hill going to maintain the job? Is he going to keep a role in this lineup? And it's just, man, I don't know. You know, at one point is it is, you know, it too much. I understand there I, man I was on social media earlier there's been so many people so much backlash about that suspension that like the Cowboys are being targeted you know obviously we feel like some stuff's happened against us you know Kadarius Tony took a swing and he got ejected from the game do you know what he got a $12,000 fine 12,000 mm-hmm. I believe CD Lamb got two fines more than that for not tucking his shirt in yeah yeah, I, Harrison Smith sitting there choking C.D. Lamb on silent, nothing. And Lamb, got he got fined that game for not tucking his shirt in. Yep. And then another one, um, Cameron Hayward punched Justin Herbert in the gut. 
he didn't get thrown out the game. They threw a flag. That's it. So, I mean, I understand a lot of people saying the Cowboys are being targeted, but especially someone like Tristan Hill, you've got such a bad past. Anyway, why would you add to that resume? Why would you give them a chance? Yeah, now you just made it even worse for you on the next time. Exactly. And so. the problem is there he's shown some playmaking ability. He's shown that he's got some talent, but then every game he gets suspended, you don't get to see him build on it. You know, and I understand we've given Randy Gregory chance after chance after chance, but there's only so many players on your roster that you just have to cross your fingers that you're going to be able to suit up the next week. Eventually, you got to let some guys go. And the thing is, we've been so depleted at the defensive end position that it's, we've kept him, we've kept Randy Greg out of not not so much necessity. We've always believed in the talent. I mean, we did kind of had to. But I mean, defensive end has always been the weaker of the two positions. I mean, defensive line, there's some depth there. The problem is guys have just been hurt. Mm-hmm. So that's my thoughts on that. Um, the Mike McCarthy game, uh, well, not having Mike McCarthy, I mean, that's going to be big. I mean, that's that's your head coach, especially on a losing streak. We've lost two in a row. That's called a losing streak. Um, you hope that your head coach, the guy that's won a Super Bowl, the guy that's coming in with this big resume, and someone that Jerry Jones trusted to take our core and what this team could be and take it to a championship, not having him is going to be big. I mean, you're, you're, I mean, New Orleans is a tough team. I, well, and it's not just McCarthy. You look at Dan Quinn, too. Now, Dan Quinn's got to come down to the field where he's been coaching from the box all year. Yeah, and, 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 even, and even Dan Quinn, they've even talked about uh, you know why the box versus the side the sidelines, and he says the the vision I get to see, it's just it's the vision that he has up top. You know, he sees everything, so now he's got to come down where it's probably a little bit harder to see everything. And then two, it's a short week. Being a short week, I, I think. Dan Quinn's probably not going to put his hands too much into the offense. I think he's going to go to Kellen Moore and probably try to set a game plan of, hey, you know, this is kind of how I want things to run. But I I really don't think he's going to dip his hand too much into the offense. I mean, Seth, we're recording here on Monday night. We play on Thursday. So how many practices is the team going to get in before we play? Other than today, you're looking at Tuesday and Wednesday as a walkthrough, probably, and that's it. I think Tuesday you'll probably get a full run, and then Wednesday you'll probably get a walkthrough. That's it. So I don't think that Mike, I don't, Dan Quinn, I don't think that Dan Quinn's going to be able is going to put too much into the offensive side of the ball. I think he's just going to get with Kellen Moore, and they're both probably going to come with an offensive game plan, defensive game plan, and they'll probably meet together. Um, I'm sure McCarthy, he's going to be in there That's somehow. the thing is, McCarthy can't come to the stadium. He can't be around people. How many different apps are there now where, where you can meet with people via teleconferencing? Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there are multiple ways to meet and, and talk things out. So I still think that Mike McCarthy is going to have a big hand on the game plan going into the game. Yeah. He just won't be there on Thursday. Yeah. 
And, you know, Dan Quinn's got a lot of coaching experience. I understand, I understand things weren't great at the end in Atlanta, but things were going – things went great at the beginning. Yeah. I mean, they, that's what I'm saying. Right. They went to the Super Bowl, and the Super Bowl, they, they should have won, you know. Um, Any other quarterback, you know, they were playing against, you know. Probably would have. I think they should have just kept running the ball. That's why they lost. How do you average like six yards of carry and just stop running? I, but I mean, we're not here to talk about that. We we trust me. We've rambled on long enough, and we know we need to get into the games. But I just, I think Mike McCarthy is going to be there. He's just not going to be in the stadium. I think his hand's still going to be there. Losing the position coaches, I mean that that's big because now all of a sudden you're asking guys to coach out of position, and not just that. You've got to think, like Kellen Moore, being the offensive coordinator, is now going to have to have a bigger hand in all of that because you're missing your offensive line coach. With all these position coaches missing, and then also on the defensive side of the ball, Dan Quinn's going to have to be more involved on that. So I think that's where it's really going to hurt. As you're taking your coordinators, and they're having to be very, very involved at the positional level just due to guys being out. But... I still have a lot of confidence in this team. I, I, I'm really encouraged by what's coming back in the next few weeks and just hoping everyone can stay healthy and, and hoping that we can pull out a win this week. I mean, it's, we need a win really bad. But before that, Seth, let's go ahead and review these last couple games. I believe you've got the Kansas City game. Give some quick thoughts on that, and then we'll head into the Thursday night Thanksgiving game against the um, Las Vegas Raiders. Well, I mean, the Kansas City game is it's really Denver 2.0. That's basically it. It's not I mean, if you saw the Denver game, you saw Kansas City game. It, it was just one of those games where you know, they couldn't get anything going. Um, you know, Dak didn't play the greatest. Uh he had two interceptions on the game. Uh, overall, the offense just played poorly and this was the first game without Amari Cooper. Is Amari Cooper had that big a uh, effect on our offense? Maybe, um, but that really wasn't the worst part of it. You know, Ceedee Lamb went out, he, on the very last play of the first half. He um, he got knocked out with a concussion, so they didn't have him the whole second half. So basically, what what happened was the whole second half of the game. You had Gallup, who had literally just came back from being out for like six weeks or five weeks. And um, and then Schultz. And, of course, you had Wilson. But, you know, you go into a game already down one of your big wide receivers and then to get another one knocked out, I don't care how much you game plan for that. You never expect that to happen. Um, so – the one bright spot for me was is uh, the defense played fairly well. Uh, Kansas City only scored 19 points. Uh, this was the first time all year that the Cowboys was kept out of the end zone. Uh, the Kansas City defense, the, the, leading up to the Cowboy game, they, their defense has just played better and better every week. And um, our defense played really well. The problem was the offense couldn't su- sustain any drives 
to give the the defense the rest. So uh, that's just kind of my thoughts on the game. Uh, it was just real lackluster. Penalties were not really a factor. They both had six penalties each. We had three turnovers. They had two turnovers. Um, so it was just uh, a lack of execution on the offensive side of the ball. And that's at the end of the day, that's just what it was. So, um, I, yeah, I mean, it's Denver 2.0 um, all over again. And that's how I feel. Yeah, I mean, it was um, man, it was just sluggish. Um, I think we we talk about Gallup versus Cooper a lot, and guess what? We're going to talk about it again. One thing that Amari does with his route running ability, he's able to get open so early in routes, and he's able to get Dak a couple easy throws right off the bat, and that's. One thing that I preach um, is getting quarterbacks into rhythm, finding them some easy, some easy throws. You know, I watch some of these college games, and um, like everyone else, I've uh, I'm always interested. You know, I play a lot of dynasty fantasy football. And I, I play in all super flex leagues except for two. I have two one quarterback, uh, two one quarterback leagues, and that's it. So I'm always looking at college quarterbacks. Um, so I've been looking at the Matt Corrells and the Malik Willis's and the Kenny Pickett's and the Carson Strong's and et cetera, et cetera. One thing that I've really noticed about, like Liberty especially, everything they work is down the field. That, Like last week, they waited till they got down by like three or four scores and finally had somebody start working like deep in routes or shallow in routes. The next thing you know, Malik starts catching fire, and he just starts completing pass after pass and leads him to a couple touchdown drives to make the game somewhat competitive uh, at the end. And it's like, well, where was this, the you know, the first half of the game? It's the same thing with Dak. And I, I'm not comparing Dak to Malik Willis. I mean, Dak's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. What I'm saying is his rhythm. If Amari can run that little seven-yard option route to begin the game, Second and three. Got the whole playbook to work with. You can take a shot deep, try to hit, get the big hitter. You can continue to work the middle part of the field. There's nothing that's not available, which puts the defense into a tough position. Problem is, when you don't have Cooper out there and defense are able to focus on Lamb, we've, we've said over and over, Michael Gallup does his best work down the field. The problem is, when you do that on first and ten, most of the time, it's accounted for. So, all of a sudden, you miss that deep pass uh, to Michael Gallup. Then it's second and ten, and you're behind the chains. And it just felt like so many things in that Kansas City game were just difficult. The whole game just looked labored. It looked like we were trying way too hard to do anything successful. And I understand it's the NFL, and, and things are going to be hard. But there are times where your offense is cooking or your defense is cooking, and things just look easy. Things just look like a gimme or a layup. Every single one of those passes in that Kansas City game, to me, looked just labored by Dak. It just they looked like they were. It was just hard, and I think that that's one thing getting Amari Cooper back. 
It's going to allow him and him and Gall- uh, him and Lamb to work short. It's going to allow Gallup to work deep. It's going to maybe Dawson Schultz will continue to stretch the seams. It's something he's done at times for this team. Hopefully, getting him back, you get some short, easy throws by Dak to start the game, and you get him into a nice rhythm, and and you get it to where the game looks easy again. Because when we were on the winning streak, I mean, things looked easy. I mean, it's not. It's never easy in the NFL, and obviously these last few weeks have shown you that when you that when you think it's easy, you're going to get smacked in the mouth. Well, that, that, it, everything's easy at the beginning of the year, and then it comes a time where adjustments are made, and that's and that's what really what makes the difference between uh, the great teams and the pretenders i guess the contenders and the pretenders is how do you adjust over the course of the season and so far we have dealt with injuries so of course that plays into it as well but so far we've not adjusted uh the way we need to be more effective on offense yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. And that that's kind of my quick, easy wrap-up for the Kansas City game. I mean, the defense played incredible. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, you're talking about holding the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, I think we were the highest projected scoring game that week by Vegas. And I'm going to tell you what, if you bet the under, you you probably looked pretty – your bank account probably looked pretty good the next day because we weren't anywhere close to the line. I think the line was like 56 or 55. We didn't even get close. Well, this thing, you know, Mahomes didn't have – he's not having the best year that he's had previous, but he only had 260 in a pick. He didn't have no touchdowns during that game. The defense played really well. It's just the offense just couldn't find the groove. Yeah, I agree. And, and that's that's for real my quick and short on the that's Kansas it. City game. Um, hopefully we see him again this year. If we, there's only one way we can see them again this year, and um, – It'd be nice to see what we have against them if uh, we're fully reinforced. Um, you know, if we don't see them, I hope we at least get to see another AFC team in a couple months. Yeah, that'd be nice. So, um, but, you know, I just – I didn't want to get into that. Once again, you know, like Seth said, man, it's – when it's two weeks old, it's kind of old news. That that wounds still hurts, but, uh, you know, we got another wound right beside it, and, and that wound's going to be uh, lost – Vegas Raiders game. So, Seth, why don't you start talking that? You'll talk some stats and give your thoughts, and um, I'll piggyback on Flag Fest 2021. Well, as y'all know, um, the Las Vegas Raiders ruined our Thanksgiving. Um, in a heartbreaking loss, we lost 36-33 to the Raiders. Um, man, you you talk about a game where you just constantly – shoot yourself in the foot constantly. Um, there were a lot of penalties that game. There was a total of 28 penalties. And the Raiders, they have 14, and the Cowboys have 14. But, man, I don't know how many. I do know four of those penalties were pass interference for sure because one player got those. Uh, and that would be Anthony Brown, who had arguably the worst game of his career. He got burned by De- Deshaun Jackson for that first touchdown in the game, 
And then on top of that, he ended up with four pass interference, pass interference penalties and one to basically seal the game for them in overtime. Uh, uh, overall, you know, the offense looked a little sluggish at the beginning of the game. And then they kind of picked it up and picked it up. Uh, second half, they really started picking it up. And uh, at some point, you know, about mid-third, you know, Adam especially, he messaged me and said, man, where's your boy Gallup at? And apparently he heard you because he showed up. I mean, I, matter of fact, his biggest gain of the uh, game of 41 yards happened right after you said that. And he went on his way to 106 yards. Um, Dak had a good game. He had 375 yards and two touchdowns. Um, of course, it don't matter. If you look at these stats, you know, the stats look great, but they don't matter if you're getting penalties to constantly kick yourself in the butt and shoot yourself in the foot. So, um, Zerline, this um, continues to be a thing, um, especially in the closer games. 36-33, Zerline was 2-3 on his field goals, and he missed the extra point. So, I'll let y'all do the math and tell me who wins that game if they if he makes both of those. Um, Dallas Cowboys. So, yeah. Um, at what point do we look into possibly replacing him? Uh, you know, I know it's not an every week thing, but, man, it comes at the wrong times. Like, it's – he missed several kicks for – the Tampa Bay game resulted in a loss. He missed two kicks here, one being an extra point, resulted in a loss. Uh, the other two were – they were – I mean, they weren't close. But here's but, the thing. This is easily fixed. Our 22 first oh, all right. for Justin oh, Tucker. Hold on. A buddy of ours will go for that, no doubt. But <laughs> we're not going to go that far with it. Uh uh, sometimes it feels – I mean, I'd give up that first if I knew it was guaranteed a victory on a field goal every week. I'd give it up. But, I don't know, man. At some point, it, it they at least got to bring in competition weekly or well, something. Well, no, we did bring in competition. We had the guy on the practice squad, and then he even kicked in the Atlanta game. Yeah, but – And and he made everything, but – Zerline was on the COVID list. Though. I understand that, but – he, we kept him around last week for the Kansas City game just in case Zerline wasn't able to play. Guess when we cut him? Right before the Thanksgiving game. So Greg Zerline walked into Thursday night against the Las Vegas Raiders with zero competition on the roster. And it seems like every time he's not pu- – when he's pushed and when he's in competition – and we had four bath on the team as well. We brought in competition this offseason to kick against him in the preseason. It seems like when there's someone breathing down his neck, he doesn't miss. But as soon as we free, as soon as we loosen the reins, and as soon as we say, okay, we're stable at kicker, we're good, we got Zerline, we can just let the other guy go. You get this. And I understand the miss was from 59 yards. I'm going to let that one go. But... 
you cannot miss PATs in the NFL. You just can't. And I mean, to, to mention Justin Tucker, if you watched last night's game, last night's game was horrible. Not horrible. It's, a, it's football. It can never be horrible. Last night's football game was very sloppy. Mm-hmm. A lot of turnovers, a lot of quick possessions back and forth. But the one thing that the Ravens did early, they turned a couple of those turnovers into field goals. So while Cleveland's offense was struggling, and even while Baltimore's offense was struggling, their defense was helping them get the ball in good position, and their kicker was doing his job well, we don't have Justin Tucker, okay? So, we guys are alive. I get it, but the thing is, you know, we, we set him up for the game-winning field against the Chargers. That was 50-plus. I'm not going to hold in the 50-plus. That was 59 yards against the Raiders. That's an unfair expectation. The problem is the gimmies, the 30-somethings, the PATs, the 40-somethings in a dome, those have got to be money in today's game. Well, to me, uh, yeah, 59 is unrealistic to expect consistently to make. But if you've put yourself in a situation where you've missed the gimmies, then the 59ers are more important for him to make because he's missing these easier ones. Like, at what point? Do you – when is it safe for him to kick the football? You know, if it continues to happen, I don't want to get in these closer games and lose because we're missing field goals. I want to lose – I'd rather lose off a of damn uh, Dak to throw a pick or a fumble or something like that. I don't want to lose because of a guy that has one job. Well, you know. I, I'm in the, and, you know – We've talked about it. These Greg Zerline segments, I mean, it's he's one of those guys that when you talk about him, it's because he's doing the wrong thing. Well, I've also noticed when we talk about him, he does good the next game. So, hopefully he does good against New Orleans this week. So, we're just going to have to do a Zerline report. Well, if, that'll, if that works – We'll fit it in All right. every week. I tell you what, a Thursday night's game, if he goes perfect and we win by less than a touchdown, then I guess we'll just institute the back row Cowboys airline report. Exactly. But other than that, like, the first half of the game, they was kind of slow. You know, the offense was slow at picking things up. It was really when they came out the second half and Tony Pollard uh, took that kick return for a touchdown that really sparked us. It really uh, brought us back from the dead and made a game out of it. Came back and tied it up. Went into overtime. <clears throat> now, I've already spoke on it once. And at the beginning of the year, I was bigger on Brown because Brown had the experience. And Brown had been doing a lot better over the last few weeks. Um, but man, I, I don't want to sound like I'm saying like he single-handedly lost the game for us, but man, 
you get burned for a big deep touchdown like that, and then four pass interference, and I'm not even sure. I did not look it up. I'm not even sure how many of those were on third down. But you gave up 35 yards or so on that last pass interference to give the Raiders the game. Uh, I don't I'm gonna, know, man. Look, it, I'm about to be the one I'm going to defend Anthony Brown. I guess we this th- this is a first, you know, me defending Anthony Brown, Seth talking about him. It was a bad week. Look, we were worried in the Kansas City game. And he had some troubles with Hill at the beginning for sure. Hill kind of he got up to a hot start and you you were thinking, "Oh man, it's going to be a long day." And then he really stiffened up and um there was just a really great group effort by the defense in the um, Kansas City game. He had a bad week. I mean, I understand he picked a bad time to have a bad week, and it was a bad week. It was a, yeah, worst of his career type of week. But I just I don't want to be the rest of sports media that just changes the narrative each and every week. I mean, it's. One week we're Super Bowl contenders, and then we lose to Denver, and we don't belong in the NFL, and then we blow out Atlanta, and it's all, oh, man, it was just a bad game against Denver. They're rolling again, and then we lose to Kansas City, and it's all, does Dallas even belong in the NFL? And then we lose this week to um, the Las Vegas Raiders, and Skip, uh, not Skip Baylor, Stephen A. Smith, Shannon Sharp are saying, oh, we knew it all along. Dallas can't win the big one. Anytime Dallas under adversity – I'm just I'm not going to be that guy. Maybe if I was that guy, we'd have a better following, but that's just not who I am. I, I'm not going to just turn on Anthony Brown after one bad game. I'll turn on Greg Zerline because it's just over and over and over and over again. And, and the thing is, well, I'm, I'm not I'm not turning on Brown. I'm not saying that we need to replace him. I'm just putting it out there. It was a I'm very saying, bad week. I'm saying he needs to be put on notice and just say Brown. You know, it was it was a rough week, but we're just going to let it go, and we're going to bounce back really big against New Orleans Saints because we need you against New Orleans Saints. I like the fact that Nation Wright's been able to be on the bench. I like the fact that Kelvin Joseph has been able to be on the bench, and they're learning from the sidelines, and they're learning through practice and this and that. I've been very happy with Brown's play, and I think – it's just one bad week, and we'll just we'll reevaluate after Thursday's game, and and I'm I'm hoping and planning for a big bounce back because a few weeks ago he was one of the leaders in the NFL in interceptions. I mean, him and Diggs were both up there, and 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 Brown was matching suit with you know he wasn't at Diggs level, but you know he had multiple interceptions. I think he had four just a couple weeks ago, and was looking like a really strong player. And looking like a really competent number two, I just I, I'm not ready to go back on that narrative just after one bad game. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just so frustrating to see. It. I, we had so many penalties in that game. That just kept shooting us in the – and it seemed like every time on third down or the defense was getting ready to get off the field that something would happen 
And it just seemed like almost every time it had something to do with Anthony Brown. Uh, and he just statistically had the worst game in his career. Um, other than that, I mean, it's the penalties were huge. I mean, offensive side of the ball, defensive side of the ball. Uh, that's really what told the story. You know, like I said, the Raiders had the same amount of penalties as we did with 14. But our penalties were much bigger. Uh, I don't know the exact numbers, but I know there was all four of those pass interference plays were big yardage. All four of those, just four, those four alone, not including with whoever else uh, was called for pass interference or whatever. It was, it was just huge, uh, and that's really what told the story of the game. I know we fought and fought and fought, and we stayed in the game, obviously, because it went into overtime. But it's just one of those things, man. Where I'd rather, you know, Dak take a shot down the field, get an interception, or maybe even Zeke somebody fumble the ball, we lose the game like that. I just don't want to see a pass interference call being the reason uh, why we lose the game. And it's unfortunate that that's the way it went. But, you know, it is what it is. And now we got to put it behind us and look forward to New Orleans. Well, I'm going to say this. And, and this is dating back to even the last few games and even in some of our victories. The offense hasn't helped the defense out recently because the offense has been just starting super slow. And I think I agree know, with that. The, the offensive line, obviously that's been decimated. You've been missing Amari Cooper. And, and some of the things I just talked about, the early easy throws that um, he can set up for Dak and allow Dak to get into a rhythm, uh, allow us to get ahead of the chains early. We really, we really had to battle back in that um, – Las Vegas Raiders game, had the offense come out a little bit stronger, it may have made life a little bit easier on the defense. In the Kansas City game, the offense started out very sluggish. In the Denver game, the offense stayed very sluggish the whole game. You know, the one thing that you and I have still talked about, Kellen Moore, as an offense coordinator, and you and I texted about it, uh, I believe just yesterday or maybe the day before, is uh, you know, most teams have those early scripted plays. You just stick to the script. The first, most people say it's 15 plays of the game. It, it seems like through that first 15 or that first series and, and maybe a little bit more, things have just been very slow for the Dallas Cowboys. So I don't know if, if that, that game script is not aggressive enough or if, you know, more doesn't get too deep into the playbook. But I believe we started faster in some of these games on offense and put the other team's offense on the back foot. We'd be set up so much better. Because in most of these games, we've gotten the ball first. It's not like the defense has let us down on the sidelines to begin mm -hmm. the game. It's yeah. pretty tough to let your team down on the sidelines. When your offense starts with the ball, if you engineer a, if you engineer a drive and you get points, be it three, be it seven, to begin a game – you're already putting the other team's offense on their back foot. And 
just to back it up, all three losses, Denver, Kansas City, and the Raiders, we've all got the ball first. Okay. So there you go. With We had opportunities in all those games to start strong and, and, and put some real pressure on the other team's offense, helping out our defense. But how many of those games have we scored on the first possession? None. Okay. So, in in most of them, I think in two of them it's been three and out. At least two of them it's been three and out. Well, I know last, yeah, I know against the Raiders. Denver, sure. Denver, I know was a three and out. It might have been in Kansas City as well. So you're looking at at least two three and outs to begin the game. So what are you up against already to begin the game? You're already up against field position. So one thing I think that we really need to work on moving forward is really, really starting that offense out and getting into a rhythm possession one and not possession two, possession three when we're potentially down in the game. Yeah, I I can agree with that. Um, Everything you just said, the offense has definitely not helped to get us on the the win and road, I guess you would say. And it's just – yeah. I agree. And I'm going to say that that's the one thing about these three games that we've had in common is just the offense has started slow. And and, I'm not going to piggyback too much on the penalty flags. Uh, I'm going to tell you what, that Thursday game was hard to watch because it was just flag after – you know, for sure 14 flags thrown against Dallas. 14 flags also thrown against the Raiders. Mm-hmm. And so that was just a hard game for either team to find rhythm because it was just over and over and over again. I don't know the yards right off the bat, but I guarantee the Cowboys are we were in almost the, double what they had. We were in the 160s. I think they were right at 100. So it was like 60. We had like 60, 70% more. Okay. Well. So, I mean, they had a couple of big ones too. Um Holding penalties, uh, you know, those are those are killers on offense. Yeah, man. They'll, they'll kill every drive. Um, you know, I, I don't know. You know, it's just that that's one that every time I see it on offense, man, I just I think what it does to a drive. False starts five yards. You know, if you get a first down run and it's second and five. Get a false start. You're back to second and ten. It's not great, but it's you know you're still looking okay. If you do that same thing, but it's a holding penalty, that that extra five yards is huge, man. You go back to second and fifteen. It's like you you took a sack on first down, and whereas if it's second and ten, it's just like you threw an incompletion. Um, so those holding penalties are always big, and and you know. It doesn't get much worse than defensive pass interference in the NFL as far as defensive penalties go. It's a spot foul. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of teams, you, you can get a lot of yardage. You know, you talked about the 35-yarder in overtime. I mean, that's huge. You get one, you get a 35-yarder, I mean, you're you're flipping the field no matter where you are. Um. So that, that's one. Those are just a, a couple things that I wanted to talk about. Um, you know, obviously losing Lamb hurt, not having C.D. Lamb hurt, not having Amari Cooper hurt. You know, this game. I think this game shows that I think at his best, Michael Gallup is just a strong two. I, I think he can be a strong two 
on a team that runs the ball a lot. Like, you know, Tennessee. Obviously, they lost Corey Davis in, in free agency. He was almost a thousand yard receiver. He, he did a lot of down the field work, whereas AJ Brown kind of worked the intermediates and made plays after the catch. I think like that type of player is I think what Michael Gallup needs to be, like a number two that can create plays down the field, working off play action. Um, I, I just I don't think he's he's going to be a number one in the NFL, and I, I'm not sure that's what he should be. I mean, he was a third round draft pick. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, he can be very effective as a second. I think he can be very effective as a wide receiver two, and then I think he can be just dangerous as a wide receiver three when we have Cooper and Lamb back. Um, That you know, that's one thing. Cedric Wilson made some plays. Uh, Gallup, you know, I I guess I guess he read your your text message from me to you, and um, I guess I I woke him up. Um, I don't know. Maybe I need to give some more motivational speeches. Um, you know, I talked about Jordan Lewis and he stepped up and had a big game and talked about Gallup and Gallup had a big finish to the game. Um, maybe Dallas needs to hire me and, and I can give some speeches and just know I am available. I will give out my email, phone numbers, Dallas, come find me. I'll tell you what, it's probably not a good thing to be a cowboy coach right now because all of them get sent to the COVID list right now, so... Well, I'm going to tell you what it's not. Probably not the worst way to make a living is, is to be an NFL you head coach. do your motivational speeches on the phone. <laughs> so, um, hey, you know, I'm available via, you know, I can FaceTime and um, I can Zoom and, you know, whatever needs to be done. So I, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get the Cowboys back on their winning ways. But, um, you know, th- that's really all I got for uh, the Oakland game. It was just a sloppy game. We started slow. Um, we let their offense get out to a fast start. You know, they were missing Darren Waller, and, and, and they were still able to move the ball. Um, you know, I, I, I'm ready to move on to to bigger and better things and getting into this Thursday night game against New Orleans Saints. Seth, you coming with me to Thursday night? Let's roll. All right. Uh, Thursday night uh, against the New Orleans Saints, uh, man, this is a big one. They're, they're a team that's fighting for a playoff um, spot. We're a team that's fighting to keep our divisional lead. You know, some of the teams at the top have been losing as well. Obviously, the Rams have hit a little snide. Um, Arizona lost a game or two since uh, Murray's been out. And it just it's unfortunate that we couldn't take advantage of that and try to, you know, fight for a bye. Um, I think right now we're sitting fourth in the standings, so even if we win week one, um, we're looking at, I believe, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the next round of the playoffs. And that's a team we played once, and, and they were able to beat us in a very competitive game, but it's a game in which they did win out. Um, you know, I'm not sure, especially playing the way we're playing now, I'm not sure we'd want to see them um, right now anyway. But um, I, I think we need to get back on the track uh, against these New Orleans Saints and um, – I'm hoping the return of Demarcus Lawrence, and and the one thing that Demarcus Lawrence has always been is he's been a great guy in the huddle. He's been very motivational. He's a great speaker, gets a team hype, gets a team energetic, and, and he even said that as like Sean Lee moved on, that he was going to be more of a leader in the locker room and more of that defensive captain. Now, obviously, we haven't had him, 
but yet the defense has still looked very good for a large portion of the season. Hopefully getting his him back and getting back his veteran leadership and getting back his experience. And he takes even more pressure off Mika Parsons and um, can allow him can allow the defense to use him in like a rush package while still playing his more natural linebacker position. I, I can't emphasize how big that is, and it, he's also fantastic against the run. He, he's one of those three-down defensive linemen, and, and I think that that's so big. And with the rotation that we've been able to play at defensive end, if we can lighten up his snap share at all from what he use, he normally plays – just think of how much more effective he can be at the end of games and then at the end of the season because he's a little bit more fresh. Yeah, I agree with all that. Um, I wanted to run something by you, uh, uh, ask you a question, I guess. Since the Denver game, you know, the last four games, Mika Parsons has had six and a half sacks. Against Oakland, or excuse me, the Las Vegas Raiders, he had a career high 10 pressures in that game. Now, this was out without Tank Lawrence, and this was without Randy Gregory. Now you get Tank Lawrence back. Now, I've seen it a few times in the Oakland game. Parsons got doubled. Uh, not throughout the game, the whole game, obviously, but he got doubled. Um, now that double is going to shift back towards Lawrence. How much do we actually play Parsons at the end position? I think Parsons, no matter what, is going to have a package in his career and it's almost a disservice to him as a player if there's not a package in place for him where he's used in the pass rush game. You know what else Marcus Lawrence does really well, Seth, on third down? You know the answer to this question. Well, he's moving around. Or yeah, he slides yeah, inside. Yeah, He slides inside, and, and he can be a really strong three technique. Why can't, on obvious third down, on obvious pass rushing downs, Move Lawrence inside. You have Gregory on one side, number three in um, uh, pressure um, rate in the NFL, and then you have Mika Parsons, number one in the NFL in pressure rate, on the other side. Mika Parsons is such a good linebacker, and I understand defensive ends change the game. Most think that defensive end change the game more than the linebacker position. I'll agree with that. I'll give you that. They're, they're – there's an argument to it, is what I'll say. But if we have Lawrence, if we have Gregory, it's not a necessity to play Parsons. So you can use him at linebacker. It's obvious the game's not too big for him. You talk about throwing too much at him. I'm not sure you can throw enough at him. I, I mean, this guy, he loves football. I... I loved the tape after we drafted him, and I loved everything we saw. And it's, you know, the team came out and said, we, we were taking him at 10, we were taking him at 4, we were taking him at 6, we were taking him at 26. Wherever we were, if he was on the board, he was our he was our number one defensive rated player. 
I don't know where he was at overall, but we know that he was the number one defensive rated player, even over the cornerbacks, which is where you and I leaned all offseason. This guy loves football. I think he loves the challenge. I think, and here's the thing, as his name has been spoken around the NFL circle, and, and teams know Mika Parsons and the Dallas Cowboys, and they know that this is kind of his defense at this point. Have they really done anything to slow him down? The thing is, when you there, there are very, very few players that you can't slow down no matter what you throw at them. Aaron Donald, um, Devin White, J.J. Watt, T.J. Watt, Miles Garrett. I understand most of those guys are pass rush right? Yeah, I know where you're going with this at. Ray Lewis, Brian Urlacher. I'm, I'm just just name a, a couple middle linebackers. I'm not gonna. We're not gonna do this thing where we name everyone in the NFL. It's a good defensive player. We'll be here all night. But those are just six names: three linebackers, three defensive ends. That no matter how much you game plan against them, you, they were going to impact the game. They're just natural game. Disruptors, natural game impactors. I think Mika Parsons is good enough that he can do both. I think that you have a rush package with him. Does he deserve to go after the quarterback 10, 15 snaps a game? 100%. But I think you're doing him a disservice by putting him at defensive end and just asking him to pin his ears back because he's so good in the run game at the middle linebacker position. He's so good in coverage at the middle linebacker position. We also are a little bit weaker at the linebacker position than we are at the defensive end position as we're starting to get some reinforcements back with Demarcus Lawrence, with Randy Gregory. I just I don't think it needs to be one or. I really think that he can do both. I don't think it needs to be one or the other, but I also do think that it limits his potential at a certain position when he's flip-flopping. But the thing is, the one thing that you and I haven't seen, he's much better against the pass than he is against the run at the defensive line position. You can still utilize his run-stuffing ability at linebacker. Obvious pass rushing. And we've seen it. On limited pass rushing snaps, he's still been dominant. He's still able to get to the quarterback. He's still The quarterback still fears him. That's why I think you can do a little bit of both, and it can be 25% linebacker, 25% defensive end, 30% defensive end, and you run the rest at linebacker. I just, I, I think, I think you really can have your cake and eat it too. Well, I also, I uh, to agree with you uh, to an extent. I have noticed that the linebacker play has become shaky when he's on the defensive line. So it's kind of a double-edged sword where you have this unbelievable talent that can get to the quarterback at any given time, but his talent is needed so much at the middle linebacker position that if he's not there, then you hurt that position. You, you know this is a game in which the passing game is always going to be big in the NFL, but the thing is still an area in which the run matters. Yeah. I think in two-minute drills, you can work them in a defensive end. I think on obvious first downs, when you know a team's going to come out and run the ball, you can play them at linebacker. And I understand you're, you're throwing a lot at him, but we've been doing this all year. Yeah. And it just it hasn't been 
look, don't give him the mic ever again. It, it, since we've taken the mic from him and given it to J. Ron Curse, one, J. Ron Curse's playmaking ability has gone up. We need to keep him in the offseason, just to let you know, Seth. We need to go and keep that guy. Um, he, he's been – we were talking about that he might not make the roster. Now we're talking like you can't take him off the field. Well, now we're talking like you might not be able to roster him next year. We'll figure it out. Maybe. <laughs> 22 first for the Rams front office, guys. I'm telling you, we're going to make it happen. I'm going to make it happen. Oh. But anyway, I just – since he's lost the mic and he's just been able to focus on the Mika Parsons part of his game, he has just gone to just another level, and he's like a superhuman. You know, he's he's one of those guys. He's a rookie. Yeah. It, and said, how many downs did he play last year in college? None. Don't think too hard. It's none. none. Zero zip, not a zip. Oh, by the way, he did. He just had his. Uh, Career high in snaps, 77 snaps against the Raiders. So, you know, I just – I think that there's a world in which you can use him at both. And and this is – this discussion has gone on for a while, so I'm going to wrap my point up here. I just – I think you can use him at both. I I think it's a disservice to say he's this or that. The problem is going to be, Seth, when he's a free agent in a couple years, defensive ends make – I mean, hey, middle linebackers make out real nice. But you know who makes out real, real nice? Defensive ends. Yeah. Well, there's definitely going to be some some language in that contract to say certain percentage playing a certain percentage, you get more money. So. Look, he's a rookie. We got four years to figure – trust me, his options are getting picked up. We got four years to figure that out. Let, oh, let's yeah. figure that out in four years. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but back to the game. Um, there was – Talks already this week that they're that the New Orleans Saints are making a switch at the quarterback position and going to uh, Taysom Hill, who was a uh, not the greatest passer, in, you know, in the world, but he's he's definitely better and more mobile uh, than what we've seen so far this year. So. That's just that's another aspect that's going to be added to what we're going to have to defend. Uh, just because he's, I mean, he's really good with his mobility. Uh, passing the ball not as great, but really good with his mobility. So that's that might keep Mika Parsons more at the middle linebacker position, so just, he can spy. Yeah, exactly. So um, it'll be interesting to see how they do with that. Offensively, man, I. There's no reason why we can't score in this game. There's no reason why. We said it earlier. We have every projected starter at the beginning of the year in the lineup. There's no reason why the offense should not fire on all cylinders. You know what I'm curious to see in this game? Lattimore is one of those few corners that follows. Yeah. Um, I'll be real curious to see where he lines up. I don't know that he can follow anybody unless he's following Cooper this play and CeeDee Lamb this play. You know, the only person that he might not guard is Gallup. I mean, but what I'm saying is he follows in the NFL. Well, I know that, but we have two equally great uh, wide receivers that 
I don't think he warrants a follow of just one or the other. I think he'll be more of a follow of certain situations. Honestly, I think if he does, I think it's going to be Cooper. I think he's going to follow Cooper. I think the offense has struggled a little bit. I think you've seen what Cooper brings to the offense. Um, you know, like he always, there's always, you know, the Mike Evans and, and Chris Godwin talk. He always follows Mike Evans when they play New Orleans. I can easily see him following Cooper, which could, man, it, it could set up for a big game for Lamb or even Gallup. You think he's going to follow Cooper. I think he's going to cover one of the two. Uh, that remains to be seen. You know, we'll find out how that rolls. Uh, but like you said, he is a true follower. So, I just don't see where – I understand, like, they've struggled. We can't go off of the last two games with Cooper being out because CeeDee Lamb was knocked out in the first half of the Kansas City game. So, basically, the Cowboys didn't have Lamb or Cooper for two games. I think Lamb is 1B to our 1A and Cooper. I think they're that close together. Route running, uh, ability to make plays – CeeDee Lamb is, without a doubt, in my mind, the best wide receiver at making things happen after he gets the ball in his hand. So, I don't know who he's going to follow. I don't see there's any way where he's on Gallup, <clears throat> on Gallup at any time. I hope so. I don't see any scenario where that's the case. But, um, I don't know that. We don't know that for sure. I think he'll be on one or the other throughout the game. I just – I don't think he's going to stay on one. But we'll see. So, um, but there's no reason for the, why the offense cannot fire on all cylinders this game. Uh, I'm tired of shooting ourselves in the foot. We need to get ourselves on the, on the jump early, get it going quick. And, man, let's – Let's put this thing away early because these last three, three of the last four weeks has just been really, really tough to watch. Yeah, Seth, I'm with you. I think, um, you know, we need to come out hot. I'm, I'm hoping, you know, reviewing film and, and, and looking at things the last few weeks, Kellen Moore's hopefully going to see something that, that's missing at the beginning of the game that is working at the end of the game and hopefully utilize that. The one thing I think you'll see a lot more in this game is you're going to see a lot more outside running. Um, Tony Pollard isn't Zeke in between the tackles. I mean, he, he's he got that different gear that we've talked about, and, and he does his best work to the outside. Not that he can't run up the middle. I just think his strength is to the outside where, we can, where you can utilize his speed. I think bubble screens, getting him the ball in space, I think that's one thing you're going to see – with Tony Pollard, you might see the screen game as a little bit more of an extension of the running game this week. Those are some things that I want to see because I don't think it's just going to be able to hand it off and just go get it up the middle. I just that's not Pollard's strength. Yeah. So that's one thing I'm hoping. I'm hoping we utilize Tony Pollard in space. Definitely, if if Lattimore wants to follow Cooper, he wants to follow Lamb. You just work those secondary targets. 
I mean, we're fortunate enough now to hopefully knock on wood because we still have a few, couple more days to go. Everyone's going to make it to Thursday night. Hopefully, the, hopefully the whole offensive line is going to make it to Thursday night, and, and you can see what this pass game is really going to be. And I'm hoping that that starts with some early, quick, easy passes. And, you know, Dalton Schultz got back involved last week, and he was one thing that really got going in our offense um, early last week. I'm hoping to get that underneath game going early, and then we can take a few shots deep to Gallup, Schultz, to Wilson. You can also work um, Cooper and Lamb deep. Those are just some things I want to see. I think if we come out early – our foot's on the gas to begin the game. I just I don't see how we can lose this. You know, New Orleans is down so much. They're missing Michael Thomas. Alvin Kamara has missed a couple games. He might miss this week. You don't know. Their, their backup uh, missed this week. Mark Ingram missed yeah. last week's game. You don't know where they're going to stand at running back. Um, their tight end, Adam Troutman, he was a player that really started making some plays the last couple weeks. Under um, Simeon, you know, he's hurt. The guy that stepped in for him, Johnson, you didn't see anything out of him last game. Their receiving core, it's up and down on who it is, who it's going to be each and every week with Michael Thomas out. I think that they're, they've hit some real hard – they're being hit with some real hardships yeah. right now. And it's something we need to take advantage of, and I think – we go out there, we play our game. Just don't make things difficult on yourselves, guys. Just no penalties. penalties keep penalties. the keep the penalties in check. Just play your game. And I just I don't see how this isn't a W if we just go out and play our game. I agree with everything you just said. Uh I don't this is probably the best scripted game for the defense to shine all year. Because of the various reasons you just said. They might not have Kamara. They might not even have Ingram. They're doing having a quarterback switch. They don't have Michael Thomas. Trotman, he's out. Other than Callaway, and Callaway has not been consistent by Marquez Callaway has not been consistent by any means this year. This is the most perfect perfectly scripted game that the defense should shine. And I, I'm like you. I don't. Other than it being a road game, I don't see any other reason why we should not win this game. I'll agree with that, Seth. Um, looking forward to the game. Hopefully, looking forward to getting back and recording next week and, and talking um, a Cowboys victory. And as we wrap the show up, guys, we want to thank you so much for the support. And and once again, we apologize for some inconsistencies the last couple of weeks. But we're we're in this thing for the long haul, and um, you know, hopefully. We can get this thing back on track, and um, the, hopefully the Cowboys will get back on track and, and get back to their winning ways, and we can start putting pressure again on the guys at the top. And um, with that, as always, thank you guys for the support. And, and we've seen a little boom in the Facebook page. We've seen some uh, some boom on Twitter. Um, and, and we just want to thank you guys for that because I think the word of mouth thing and, and those of you that are talking about the show – mentioning the show uh, these followers are coming from somewhere and we just want to thank you guys out there for supporting and those of you that are going the extra step and talking about the show um just an extra special thanks to you guys and with that seth give me your social media account that's seth rob 85 i'm at a underscore bo 615 we still have the twitter page it's at back road cowboys 
And as always, we ended talking about the Facebook page. The best thing we got going. Seth's absolutely killing it over there. Dropping articles left and right. Anytime we find out news, you guys have it first. It's the easiest place to go for all your Cowboys news and updates. And with that, guys, thank you. Have a great night. And as always, go Cowboys.